0: Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that, as always, is bringing an all-male episode. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother with 10 followers on Twitter, Oh, man. Is that all I got? Uh, I just joined. That's Ryan Newman. (laughs) And by the other brother with 132 followers. Wow. All right. Moving up the ladder. Trey Newman. All right. Speaking of Twitter, we uh, made a call to the fourth bros there a few days ago, and they came through with a a lot of questions. So got a big mailbag today. Um, Let's get right into it. Our first question actually comes from Jesse on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to follow us there. Facebook.com slash college football bros. And she asks, I'm desperate for football. Which of the games played before September 1st should I aim for? What do you think, Ryan? I like this question because I'm, you know, I'm very interested in this too. It's like, you like football? Yeah, I love football. Football's great. Great. <laughs> yeah. What do you know? um This Saturday is kind of a dud. There are games at least, so that's entertaining, but no real no real huge game so i'm looking forward to uh august 31st friday night we got san diego state at stanford that game is one i've been i'm looking forward to for sure the aztecs beat them last year so should be an intriguing matchup there definitely i like that game as well i'm gonna go northwestern
1: versus purdue yeah both of these teams have bigger goals going into the year and they can get off on the right foot with a with a win here, especially it being a conference game.
0: So it's it's already a, a big game for these two. All right. Well, so I sensed, I sensed some uh, some desperation from her. Like, I think you guys are waiting a little bit too long. So I'm going to go this Saturday, and it's at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, Wyoming at New Mexico State. Doesn't sound great, but hey, New Mexico State made a bowl game last year. First time since 1960, so we'll see if they can do it again. And then Wyoming, of course, despite losing Josh Allen, they I think they're going to be better this year. They've got 18 starters back. Josh Allen was not really that great last year, at least statistically, so it uh, could be a fun one. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I'm, I'm pretty high on Wyoming, actually, as well. Yeah. All right. Our next question comes in the form of a voicemail. Um, and just a reminder to everyone, anytime throughout the season, if you have a question for the show, call 260 cfb Bros. And you can leave your question there. Hey, college football, Bros. This is uh, Big Mike from Maryland. So, as a Maryland fan, you think uh, you know the Terrapins could possibly upset Texas and use all this offseason turmoil as some, kind of like a rallying cry, or do you think that maybe it's just all this stuff just too much to overcome? I want to get your thoughts, guys. Thank you. Love the show. Bye. All right. Thank you, Big Mike. Um, so right now, Texas is a, is a thirteen point favorite in that game. It's at FedEx Field. That's surprising to me. That's a little bit... It's a big spread. Yeah, it is a big spread, yeah. especially, obviously, given that Maryland went into Texas and beat them last year. Yeah. I think they've got a legit chance again this year. You know, you got the quarterbacks back, Kasim Hill and Pigram back from injury, the defense getting some good transfers. Is Bortenschlager back? I don't know. I actually don't know. I assume he's <laughs> he's back, but I assume he will not play. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, they get Jesse Bonham back from injury, too, so... It's hard to say how the distractions will affect them, but you think game one against Texas, I mean, that's going to be maybe the best shot they give all year. So, yeah, why not?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not as confident as I was before the the turmoil. Uh, there's still so much unknown about whether D- DJ Durkin will be there. But yeah, there's no reason they can't. with the With those quarterbacks at the helm, with them being healthy, they're going to put them in games and they're going to be competitive this year. Now... As far as this game, I think they definitely have a chance. Now, the turmoil, though, I think in the long run, uh, will have more of an effect as far as them competing in the, in the East Division of the Big Ten. But this game,
0: why not? Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Trey. Um, I mean, when we did our preview episodes, this was before all the turmoil. I, I really wasn't that high on Maryland to begin with. Um, but then you throw in all the stuff that's happened. I don't, I just, overall, I just don't see them having a great year. Um, With all this stuff happening. But, I mean, game one against Texas, I mean, you never know. So I, I think they have a, they definitely have a chance to win that game. I think in the previews, I picked Maryland to win eight games. You, you went bold on them. I listened back to that. It sounds like a different person. I think I blacked out or something. Yeah, you were, you were very high on the turfs, which was surprising. You're <laughs> playing in the East. I'm still high. I like them.
1: <laughs> all right. Our next qu- question, it's a, actually two questions about South Carolina. So it's from at Cocky Spaniel is one. And he asks, how big of an effect will a healthy Debo Samuel have on South Carolina's offense? And number two, from 8804 underscore Alex, he asks, can Jake Bentley
0: lead South Carolina to a New Year's Six Bowl? I think it's huge for them to have... A healthy Debo, he was just on the cusp of becoming a, a nationally known big time player before his injury last year, um, and this just gives him gives the the Gamecocks a big play capability that they sorely missed when he wasn't there last year. So, um, I, although I think it's a little unlikely that we can see uh, Bentley leading them to a New Year's Six bowl game, um, but they are in that second tier, kind of in the SEC behind Bama, behind Georgia. So if they can kind of get to that third spot behind those two. And they have a chance. I mean it's, it's certainly possible. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, the big question is uh, is the O line. If the O line improves enough to to give Jake Bentley some time, then you know it wouldn't shock me at all if they if they had a surprise season and, and made a New York six Bowl. Uh, you, to your point about Debo Samuel Ryan last year in those three games he played. Six total touchdowns. So yeah, he makes all the difference in the world. I think they were all rushing, weren't they? Like he had. I mean, mean, he might have had a couple rushing. I know he had. I think he had two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. He did it. He did it every which way. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think. I think with uh, with Debo, not only even if even if his numbers don't match his early season success from last season. He, it's also it's probably going to be because defenses are targeting him, and it's just going to open it up for the other Gamecocks. So he he is very valuable to to this offense. Now, as far as them going to a New Year's Six Bowl, I mean, we all know that they're going to beat Georgia early in this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as I as I discussed, so I've already put that in in pen on my uh, my schedule. So yeah, no, it's sharpie in. So <laughs> but, sharpie. <laughs> but yeah, me and Seth Davis. Yeah, but I think. It would be a lot to ask for them to get to a New Year's Six game, just because I I don't really see that offense taking maybe that big of a step. There'll be an improvement, but maybe not New Year's
0: Six material yet. Okay, our next two questions uh, both come from at Buddy Hawkeye Lee, uh, and his first question is: If Scott Frost only wins seven games a year, how long will he continue to keep his job? I'm sorry, Ryan. Who was he asking about? What what coach? Scott Frost. Oh, oh. It's glorious. <laughs> so I think this was my favorite question that we we received of all of these questions. It's it's a fun fun experiment to think about. I settled on six years. You know he's got a long leash, um, but I mean six years of literally seven wins every single year. Obviously for two or three years that'd be just fine. But you're four, you're five, you're six. You're like when's he gonna break through? I just think I I settled on six. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean. I would settle more – well, let me put it this way. One of the key quotes from Frost and Osborne and and Bill Moose has been runway. He's going to have the runway or time to to build this more than than any other coach. So he's going to be able to get away with seven wins for a few years. But depending on the circumstances, I'd say if it's after four years and he's sitting at seven – there might start to be some rumblings. I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but there would definitely be rumblings. So there, there would need to be some progress shown at the at that point.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt. So, um, are you saying five then? Maybe Trey? What's your number? Well, I would say for him to actually get fired, it would be probably the f- after five years. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Trey. That's what I said. I said after five. I mean, you know, there's there's it's not like uh, he needs. More than that to get, to turn around a program. I mean, if you, five years is enough, so if you can't do it within five years, I just you're not going to do it. So uh, I settled it on that as well. But that was a completely hypothetical situation that would never ever happen. No, no, no. He's going <laughs> to get like eleven and twelve in there at some point. You know, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, uh, okay, all right. And then his second question from at Buddy Hawkeye Lee: uh, Does Kirk Ferentz fly the Millennium Falcon or the USS Enterprise? All right, this one, this is one of the easiest questions I think we had for, for this podcast because... No brainer. Captain Kirk. No brainer. I mean, yeah. USS Enterprise, yeah. I don't is, don't need to go any further than that. No, that's, I think we're done here. I, Amen, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, our next question came in on the voicemail line. Let's take a listen. Hey, bros,
1: it's uh, podcast enemy number one, Great Hodges calling uh-huh. from St. Louis, Michigan.
0: Not this guy.
1: I've got two questions for you this week. One, which brother would win in a street fight? And two, going into the season, who are your most overrated and underrated teams?
0: I'll take my answers off the air. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Braden. Uh, let's start with the street fight. What do you guys think? Who, who's going to win? Well, I mean, I feel like I'm going to just say me, Ryan. Um, wow. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm the only one who's lifted a weight. Of the th- between the three of us that's so. true that's very true you know i think ryan would win too i'm going with ryan
1: <laughs> yeah that's fair i i will say ryan's pretty scrappy he's p- he might be the strongest of the three and he could
0: really use his lower leverage against us that's a very good point <laughs> low man wins low man wins every time all right, we settled that. <laughs> Maybe Trey and I would tag team and, and try and try and take you on. That's true. We would we would try and knock you out and then Michael and I would duel. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So Ryan, you're gonna lose actually. That's a good one between you and Michael who would win. Oof. I pick me. I pick mm. me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a draw. We'll have to settle this <laughs> settle this on the street.
1: All three of us are just gonna be knocked out unconscious at the same time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay, uh, second question. Let's get to the overrated and underrated team. So, Ryan, why don't you start us out? Uh, give me one of each. All right. Well, I know Braden Hodges asked this question, so I avoided his squad, just courtesy of him. Um, <laughs> Which is Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State, yeah. Um, so, I went Penn State here, actually. I think uh, you know we kind of talked about this during the preview episodes, but with the loss of Jim Morehead, of Saquon Barkley, some other key players. I I'm skeptical and I just don't think Trace McSorley is um he's a good player but I don't think he can lead an offense on his own so I said Penn State as overrated and then should I give my underrated too here? Yeah, go for it. All right. I went uh the Utah Utes as my underrated squad. I was I'm high on the Utes this year. You know, Tyler Huntley comes back at quarterback. They were a very sophomore heavy team so they got a ton of returning talent. I think they're going to surprise some folks. They get USC and UW – in Salt Lake City, so they have some opportunities for some big wins there. All right, Braden. <laughs> Michigan State is
1: clearly overrated. Oh no, boy, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not going there. I, I like this. I like Sparty. I'm gonna say Georgia is overrated. Huh? Yeah, I feel like I've been picking on Georgia, and it's not the case. I love them. I love their future, but I could see them losing a couple this year and not finish where they're they're going to be preseason ranked you know, in the top five. So I might see them just outside of that. Um, as far as underrated squads, I'm going to take the Oregon Ducks. I agree. They're unranked in the coaches poll and and the AP poll comes out tomorrow since we're recording this uh, the day before it comes out. But I'm a believer in the offense with Herbert and I see no reason why they couldn't finish inside the top
0: 20 or 25. Yeah, I agree with that one. I almost had them as my my underrated Uh, But I'll start with overrated. I'm going West Virginia. Yeah. They were picked second. Yeah, I knew you were going to go with them. Yeah. I thought about Miami too, but ended up going West Virginia. They were picked second in the Big 12 uh, by the media. So I guess. They have star power, you know? They do have, yeah, they do have star power. So they're probably thinking nine or nine and three. But I'm thinking more like seven and five. I don't like the defense, and I like Texas and, and especially TCU just a little bit better. TCU just had a big loss. Oh, I didn't see that they're they de-tackle they're, yeah yeah he was a freshman all-american what was his what was his last name uh oh, i forgot what it is but it was he was like preseason all big 12 uh yeah it was a tough blow god what's his name we gotta we gotta come up with that all right don't you guys google that while i'm giving my underrated team underrated i'm going a little crazy here because i'm probably choosing a team that most people would say is overrated and Braden hodges especially is not gonna like this answer but i'm going with michigan they're 14th in the coaches poll but I mean, this is the second best defense in the country, I think. They might even be the best, uh, with you know, just top to bottom. And no matter what you think of Shea Patterson, I'm not super high on him, but he's gonna be a lot better than the production they had last year. So I mean, Harbaugh was great in year one, year two, Michigan was. Last year stepped back with the the experience. This year I think they'll be right back up there, top ten. That's a good one, Mike. I'm I'm with you there. That T C U D tackle, Ross Blacklock. Oh, okay. He was a he's a freshman all American last year. Going to be was supposed to be great for him this year. That's that's too bad for the Horn Frogs. All right, our next
1: couple questions comes from at Susan USC. Fight on! She's actually a South Carolina fan, Michael. Nice. nice <laughs> no, she no, no, she's not. I no, know she's, she's not. not. Trojan. Fight on. Do you believe scheduling quality games will help or hinder big teams this season? And number two, do you think the CFP committee will ever punish the SEC for playing joke schedules and still claiming conference greatness for example no punishment for playing little sisters of the poor wow Susan's bringing it shots
0: yeah shots fired there wow all right so as far as whether scheduling quality games will help or hinder the big teams I mean it's kind of a cop-out answer I think it depends but in general I I think it's good looking back to last year Auburn had a brutal schedule and they were 10 and 2, but the committee didn't really ding them for that. They were second in the country, which I think is fair given given the schedule they played. Whereas Wisconsin was 12 and 0, but their schedule was pretty easy and they were 4th. So, I think the committee does a pretty good job of of accounting for your strength of schedule and and judging accordingly. As far as the CFB com- CFP committee favoring the SEC, I think I'm maybe the wrong guy to ask this question because I think they do a generally pretty good job in their rankings. I think every decision they've made has been reasonable even if I slightly disagreed with the, with some. So, yes, the SEC, I mean if you look at this year for sure they have easier overall schedules if you look at their FPI than the the rest of the Power 5 conferences, which means their their non-conference schedules must be must be really easy. So, that's true, but I think the the committee factors it in. Yeah, I mean I I think scheduling quality opponents is no doubt about it it's it's a positive thing for no matter what team you are because um, i don't think the committee it really penalizes a team much at all for losing to a top team i mean as long as you're competitive that is if you if you lose a somewhat competitive game they don't they don't i don't feel like they really penalize you but what they do penalize you for is for just not playing one at all you know if you have a weak schedule they will really hurt you for that so i mean i I kind of disagree with that. The SEC has a weak schedule, especially week nine conference schedule. I mean, I know they play that uh they do. A lot of those teams play the the FCS opponent. But I mean, is there really that much of a difference between, you know, like a, a Citadel and Georgia Southern? I mean, that's that's a Southern's, decent point. That's a decent point. Yeah, I, I just don't feel like that's a huge deal. And, you know, if you look at their schedules, I mean, just this year, LSU plays Miami, Auburn plays Dub, Texas A&M plays Clemson. Bama, Louisville, South Carolina, Clemson every year, Florida and FSU. It's it's There's tough opponents on their schedule. It's just, you know, I think the uh, FCS teams might drag it down more than it probably deserves. That's probably true. But they also have, I mean, they have four non-conference games and almost all of them, they'll play three kind of really easy games and then throw in, yeah, one decent or good team. So, But SEC conference schedule is really tough. So I guess it's understandable.
1: Yeah, I I echo your guys' sentiments uh, completely. I think the one thing about them, about the SEC playing a little bit of a of a joke schedule, they when they do play the the big teams, more often than not, though, they're playing on neutral sites. They very rarely are scheduling a true home and home like Alabama. I'll give them credit; they played some big teams, you know, the SC, Louisville, and. Um, Florida state, Florida state, they, but a lot of these Virginia tech, ga- yeah, a lot of these games they're playing at the, at neutral sites, which, you know, fair, not fair. It's just, it's just something I you, you point out. They never really leave their time zone. Like there was that one stat that like Florida has only played out of the Eastern time zone, like once in the last couple decades, it, it, you know, something crazy, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they could obviously do a little bit better, but I, uh, I, I don't have,
0: I don't give them too much flack about it. Okay, our next question uh, comes uh, through a voicemail from Noah.
1: Hey, bros, this is Noah from Ohio. I actually DM'd you guys earlier this week, but my question is: I was wondering who you guys think
0: will leave their program first—Nick
1: Saban Alabama, or Dabo Sweeney at Clemson? Thank you. Go Blue. Okay, I'll, I'll take this one. Honestly, I think this—the answer is that they're only going to be separated by a few days because Saban will leave <laughs> yeah. and then Dabo-, Dabo will go to Bama. But no, I, when I really think about this though, and I think we've, we've kind of touched on this during the podcast is I don't think it's a complete shoe in that Dabo would just go to Bama. He might make his Not own at legacy yeah. at Clemson. And, and, and I, so I, I don't see that exactly happening. but to
0: answer the overall question, it, it's Saban that will end up leaving first. Yeah, I mean Sabin's a lot older. Um and I agree. I I think it's I w- I think Dabo is there forever, like I really do. I think he's going to be there for the long haul. You you would think so. He's already been there for what? Like 10 years already, surprisingly. That's kind of a long time. Wow, that is crazy. It, I mean, I think it was. I think he was start took over like in an 08, right? Yeah, and I just don't see
1: Dabo being the type of guy that he's not going to really go to the NFL. So, and there's not going to be a really a better job though you know maybe alabama but he he's got a cush job
0: he's good he's gonna be you know i don't want to say god but he's gonna be the greatest figure in in clemson sports history like oh yeah. he should just stay there he, he's yeah. pretty close to already being it yeah yeah really you know <laughs> all right uh next question comes from at you are looking live and we're gonna have ryan take this one uh by the way at you are looking live does some Really awesome college football artwork. So, and I know he has a Patreon. So, I'm sure if you go to his Twitter, you can find the information about that. Uh, But his question is, how would you fix Illinois, and are they on the right track to be a perennial eight win team? Um, I don't think they're on the right track, unfortunately. Oh, Uh, yeah. First, I—I mean, I'd probably fire Levy Smith. Um, Oh, (laughs) after you know, it's when it's reasonably possible. I'm not going to fire him today because that's just you know, absurd. But I just don't think he's the answer there. Um, But if you're Illinois, to me, you need to take a chance, you know, in in order to be successful. You're not going to go outpay the other top programs out there. So, the top head coaching candidates, you know, the up-and-comers, they're just not going to consider Illinois. So, I think you got to go after guys kind of like Michael's boy, uh, Lane Kiffin. Oh, yes. A type like that. Or uh, Bobby Petrino-ish type. He probably wouldn't leave Louisville. But Um, maybe Paul Johnson, if he leaves Georgia Tech, there's, you know, it's a unique offense that kind of provides you a little bit of differentiality from the rest of the conference. Because I just don't think if you're going to try to play the same game as Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, like you're going to lose if you're Illinois. It's just not going to happen. So you got to do something unique to me. All right. Our next question comes from at Nick
1: Rodriguez, N.S. Rodriguezons, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Players to watch out for on Texas football. Well, I was going to break down the basketball team, but yeah, <laughs> since you clarified football, I think we all agree that that Ellinger or Bouchelle they need to take that next step forward to get Texas back to where they want to be. Uh, so they need better quarterback play. But that aside, for actual kind of playmakers to look for, look for Trey Watson. He's a transfer running back. And this was key for Herman because none of the guys coming back really took the job by the horns. Ooh, nice. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Nice. So, and then Colin Johnson at wideout, he averaged f- over 14 yards per catch. If you look for playmakers defensively, Chris Boyd at corner, he had 17 passes defended so he can lock wow, down a receiver.
0: That's, that's a lot. Did he really?
1: Yeah. Wow, now the good thing going for Texas is that they're littered with young young talent, so some of those guys are going to emerge this year that uh, that we don't even know about at this time so there there's some
0: there's some hope for Texas all right yeah, those are good Trey yeah, they got some uh some five stars in the uh in the secondary. I'm sure one of them will pan out emerge Yeah. all right, our next question is from at Brett Larter. It's kind of a hard one to say larder. Yeah, I think it's not really that hard to say. Larder. Well, maybe it's not. It's just I've never heard it before, maybe I should say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. How long would it take us to notice, and what would be the implications if no fan of a random Power 5 team ever died again? That's a weird question. What, <laughs> I lo- hardly it's, understand that one. But. It's a very weird question, but I like it. I like it a lot. So I'll, I'll take this one. You guys let me know what you think, because I've thought about this a lot. So I think we would notice. How long would it take us to notice? I think it would be fairly quick. Definitely less than two years, maybe even less than a year, because you'd have a bunch of people who are fans of, of whatever team it is that are you know, probably terminally ill. There's probably at least some. And they would have miraculous recoveries, I guess. They wouldn't die. Probably the city surrounding the school, their death rate would, would drop uh, dramatically in, in that year. So people would start to take notice of that, and, and maybe we'd discover it. And then the implications would be, I think that team would become a powerhouse eventually because they'd be getting a lot more donations because there'd be you know, yeah. more living alumni. Uh, their game attendance would go way up because there's so many people. There'd be a lot of old people in the crowd. We might notice that. Well, unless it's, unless it's a Notre Dame game, we might not notice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then people would start wanting to go to that school because apparently you become immortal if you go there. So those are my thoughts. What do you guys think?
1: I mean, I don't know. That's the way you should slice it and dice it, Michael. Well, well, well played. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think it would take long to notice that. That's a that wouldn't take long at all. All right. Next comes from at C E
1: Hildebrand. Actually, has three questions, so we're gonna we're gonna e- delegate one to each brother. So Ryan, if we had nineteen
0: seventies rules, would it change who wins any conference this fall? Um, man, that's a tough question. We weren't, we weren't around in the (laughs) seventies. Um, but to me, you know, if I think 1970s rules, um, I think it would be bad for pass happy teams. You know, you could probably get away with more pushing and shoving, uh, of the receivers. So I'm going to, but I I was thinking about the conferences and all like the top teams in each of the power fives, and they all seem to have really good running games and really good offensive and defensive lines. So I, I don't feel like it might, it would really change any of the conference winners, But if I had to pick one, I would say it would help Wisconsin beat Ohio State for the Big Ten title. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. All right. Next question. Can
1: Kevin Sumlin replicate his first season at Texas A&M in his first season at Arizona? So I'll, I'll take this one. I'm going to say, sure. Why not? He has the nation's most exciting quarterback, and it should fit perfectly into his offensive style, you know, Khalil Tate, just like Johnny Manziel did for him at, at A&M. Now, I don't think the Wildcat defense is, is where the defense was uh, when he was at A&M, but they have a good chance at competing for the South Division crown this year. So I, I think they can certainly replicate that success.
0: Yeah, I mean, the defense should be improved. They had a lot of freshmen last year, so that's a good point. All right. And the last question, Michael, this one goes to you.
1: If you had to recast the original Die Hard using college football head coaches, who would you pick?
0: All right. Great question. Uh, at J M O U A T. Now, that's a hard one to pronounce. J Muat? Yeah, I don't Not know. Not sure. Let us know. I <laughs> don't know how to pronounce that one yeah let us know how you pronounce that but he said nick saban is clearly hans gruber and that dana holgerson with the proper haircut could pass for john mcclain um so i I definitely like holgerson for mcclain he's you know he's brash like like I'll also throw out though butch jones even though he's not a current head coach but he was asked a year ago who he would like to play him in a movie and he said bruce willis so there you go it just fits all right um which is a ridiculous question. <laughs> I wish they asked more coaches that. Nick Saban, how would he answer that question? He would. He would not. Is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hans Gruber. I, I like Nick Saban for that. He's the villain. I think Urban Meyer, if he grew a beard as well, uh, he could pull it off too. Sergeant Al Powell. I'm going Herm Edwards. He's gonna need to eat a few more Twinkies, you know, gain some weight, but he's got the mustache. I'm sure he's got the uh, you know the stage presence to pull that one off. Last character I'm going to go through holly mcclain and i'm gonna go with the prettiest head coach in college football come on guys who's that cliff cliff kingsbury no doubt there you go that's my answer all right yeah you really took some time with that one mike i did i did yeah (laughs) did the research (laughs) a little fun with it i mean i had to i had to research that one thoroughly i couldn't just go off the cuff there no that's true all right next question uh comes from at p dog 206 and he says, why did you guys decide to abandon your wholesome Midwestern mama's boy brand in favor of the edginess deployed in the latest edition of 69 for 69? So that's a fair question. Uh, we definitely debated whether to release that one, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, but I-, I will clarify that Ryan and I are still pure. Michael is the one that's gone off the defense. <laughs> and Sarah as well. Sarah as well. <laughs> yep. Um <laughs> But it was a love story. I felt I had to tell it. It was just important to me to tell. That's true. Uh, but no, the real answer is we're always trying to come up with, you know, unique and creative things to do. We did the Halloween episode last year with The Haunted House. We've done a couple 69 for 69s now. We sang the Love Watching College Football song, which was awful. Love Watching College Football. Yeah, <laughs> it was awful, but, but hopefully also funny. Uh, the Nick Saban email leak we did that worked out. Um, so, you know, they're not always going to work out, but hopefully some of them make people laugh. Yeah, it probably wasn't everybody's uh, favorite taste there, but I think a lot of people probably enjoyed it. I know I did, knowing you. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, you're welcome. All right, moving on to our next question. Uh, it's from at the J 1976. What gets your vote for potentially most unwatchable game of the season? Uh, His is September 15th, Rutgers at Kansas, which kicks off at noon in Lawrence. I mean, that's the one. In terms of Power 5 schools, <laughs>
1: that's the one. <laughs> There's some non-Power 5 games that would be painful, but I'm going to stick with the power schools. Rutgers in Kansas, I mean, when you just talk football, you think the bottom of the barrel. Those are two that come to mind. Now, I'm going to try and say something different, though. There's there's a couple ways to look at this. You could look at a massacre game, like, you know, Oregon State at Washington or you know, Oregon State at Ohio State. Yeah. Like those those are going to be bloodbaths. Or you could go something crummy like Illinois at Rutgers and they're they're going to be fighting for the Big 10 seller during the season. So you can look at it both ways. All right, those those are good ones.
0: I'm going uh, even worse than those. I'm going non-power 5 Rice at UTEP. Oh wow! And yeah, UTEP was zero and twelve last year. Rice a little better at one and (laughs) eleven, significantly (laughs) better. Wow. Well, the one win though, yeah, was against UTEP. So (laughs) two very very bad teams. Oh, okay, that's pretty bad. Um, You know, I I actually wouldn't say that. You know that that Kansas and Rutgers game is unwatchable to me just because it's probably going to be close. (laughs) So I'm actually I'm a little bit excited for it just because of how bad maybe it looks. Yeah, exactly. I'm intrigued by it. CC, see, see, I'm very intrigued. C. <laughs> see, see. I'm uh So I, I'm kind of, like Trey said, if the blowouts to me, those are unwatchable. That's no fun. So you already mentioned it, Oregon State at Ohio State, their first games of the year. That's going to just be brutal to watch. But then the other one I mentioned um or I put down was BYU at UW. Just because of how bad BYU's offense is and how good yeah. UW's defense is, like, BYU might not get across the 50 yard line that game. It's just going to be it's going to be horrible to watch. So, you know, Zataki better uh, step up his game. That's, you know, it's been been rough year down at Provo last year. Yeah, one thing I will say about the uh those blowout games, they might be a little bit more interesting this year, uh just cuz of the redshirt rule. Be- because of the red shirt rule, exactly. Yeah, that's true. So, you might get to see some five stars in there at the end, but Fair. Um all right, next question. Uh, also on Twitter, comes from at Travis underscore D75. He says, Will Benny Snell and Josh Allen of Kentucky be first or second team All-American by the end of the season? I'm sorry, but I just don't see it. You know, it's I don't think either of them would actually probably be in my top five at their respective positions nationally either. It's, especially since Kentucky's not going to be a top team. I mean, if they were going to be a contender, that would help their case. But Kentucky just won't be and at running back, you got guys like Bryce Love, Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, Miles Gaskin, just to name a few. Yeah, guys. It's the year of the running back. Yeah, exactly. It's so strong. So, I mean, there's others that I won't even mention, but there's a ton. And, you know, it's just tough to, it's tough to make an All-American team. And the last 15 years, only Randall Cobb has been an All-American at Kentucky. So odds are very against them. Nah, yeah, I, it's not going to happen. I'm,
1: and I'm a huge Benny Snell guy. So yeah, he's a great but player. Let's just, let's just try and focus on, on maybe first or second team all SEC before we, which, maybe which f- Benny Snell did do last year. He, he was first team all SEC, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a,
0: you know, aspire to going back to back. Same with Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, if Benny Snell was behind Alabama's offensive line, then yeah, he very well might do it, which, sort of unfair but that's that's just kind of the way it is um exactly i think josh allen also he's going to need bigger numbers than last year which maybe he can do but i actually think a guy he didn't mention maybe has a better chance than either either of them it's mike edwards at safety he's had 100 tackles before so he could definitely do that again and then maybe if he just gets lucky with i think he had four interceptions last year maybe if he gets lucky with like eight then he's going to have a chance that'd be very lucky Going getting eights a lot. I know. There's always someone though that it happens for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, last year I think it was like Deshaun Elliott at Texas. I, I remember him having a bunch, but I, I can just remember like the most I remember is I think Josh Bullocks, oh, the Nebraska safety had like a, didn't he have like 11 one year? Very relatable. It was just an insanely high number. <laughs> uh, I gotta check that, but it was it was crazy.
1: Ryan's a Nebraska fan. If you guys haven't <laughs> heard,
0: yeah, that's true. Who's their head coach again? Uh, Scott Frost.
1: Oh yeah, Scotty. <laughs> All right. Next the question comes from at
0: J Muat. Nice. That's probably not how you pronounce it, but <laughs> Okay. Hey. It sounds cool, Jay Muat. But he's a loyal listener. Um this is our last question though, right guys? Yeah. Yeah, we're down to the last. All right. It's actually kind of
1: two parts. We got two, two uh two players in this one, Jay Muat. I just wanted to say that again. Okay. And P Dog two oh six. So first, which or what year will we see the next wave of serious realignment? And and what pe- what will be the first piece to drop? And which conferences will suffer the worst? Going along with that, P Dog two hundred six adds: Will super conferences ever happen? And if so, how exactly will the dominoes fall? Such as sixty four spots, sixty five teams, including Notre Dame. Sounds fun. Sorry, Iowa State or Kansas State. Ouch. Ouch. So throwing shade at at Iowa State and Kansas State. <laughs> Ouch! But uh, as far as super conferences and all this realignment, whatnot, Ryan, what what's your take on that?
0: Man, you know, I honestly don't think we'll see any big changes for quite a long time. We just had a huge shift about what, five, six years ago. So I think you got to give it quite a bit more time, maybe at least a decade before we see some other significant change. But who the heck knows, honestly. I mean, I'm just speaking out of my butt right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big butt. Just to be honest with you. But you know what I think could potentially happen is like an Oklahoma or Texas might decide to leave the Big 12 for either the SEC or the Big 10. And then that would essentially end the Big 12. And the rest of the team's would have to find remaining spots in other power conferences and so as far as the super conferences goes that would kind of form it you know like the big 12 would dissolve yeah. and then you're down to four power conference teams and or conferences and they just kind of i think that would kind of start that yeah maybe the big 12 is the most vulnerable especially with the, the kind of shadow of texas over all the teams um i mean i know Oklahoma's done really well but i think there's no doubt they're the most vulnerable yeah. Um, so I think eventually super conferences might happen. Uh, I have no idea how it's going to happen. But, you know, eventually players are going to get paid, I think. So I know there's the Title IX issues and everything, but maybe the Power Five will split off and form their own kind of league. I mean, who knows? I, again, I'm speaking out of Ryan's butt here, um, which is <laughs> weird to do. But um, so maybe if I had to guess a year, yeah, maybe in 15 years or so. No idea.
1: Yeah, one thing... I'm we, sure
0: he's glad he asked us. Right. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: but one thing you guys haven't talked about is maybe something like some of those American athletic teams join the fray with some of the bigger conferences. Like okay. a USF, UCF go into the the ACC or the, the SEC somehow and kind of leaves the Big 12 kind of l- lingering out there. So maybe
0: something like that would happen. But again, I don't see it happening in the near, near future. You sounded like the uh, that SNL skit where they're talking about all the freeways they take in LA. It's like, you got the 10 to the 210. The 10 to the two. T- yeah. You could take the 405. Take the yeah. 405 it's- to the 5 to the 110. That's all right. College football fans will understand what I just said. I live up in LA, so I can attest to that. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it. That's all the questions. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And, and thanks again for, for all those questions. We'll be back later this week with a 2018 season betting preview. Uh, So until then, rate and review us, five stars. Share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet the episode when we post it on Twitter. I know Big Mike, he left another voicemail where he told us he's telling his friends at work about the podcast. So we really appreciate that. He sounds like a Big Mike, by the way. Yeah, he sounds like a cool dude. Yeah. He he really kind of like just... BMO seed me with big Mike. I'm just normal Mike. So you are <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at collegefootballbros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB bros. Thanks for listening.